Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. May even our thoughts towards strangers be lovely, rooted in humility, and dressed in compassion. Audrey Elledge and Elizabeth Moore, Liturgies for Hope. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined for a rare author interview by one of my friends, Elizabeth Moore, and her fellow author, Audrey Elledge. Together, Audrey and Elizabeth wrote Liturgies for Hope, 60 Prayers for the Highs, Lows, and Everything in Between. The collection releases on November 1st, and I'm thrilled to have them here today. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Annie. Hello. So good to be here. Hi, Audrey. Hello. Yes, so glad to be here. I'm so glad y'all are here. I cannot wait to talk about this book. I read through the digital copy and then got my ARC yesterday. And oh, I think it's going to be such a such a blessing. I already, there's one prayer in particular I've been praying over the last few days. So thank oh. you so much. I cannot wait to discuss this with you and talk about this with you. I do want, because there's three of us, and um, that is not always kind of an unusual occurrence on from the front porch. Sometimes we'll have three guests, but I want people to be able to hear the difference between your voices. So Elizabeth, can you introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about who you are and your kind of writing background? And then yeah. um, Audrey will move to you. Yeah, my name is Elizabeth. I am one of the co-authors of Liturgies for Hope. I live in New York City, but I am from the South. So for any <laughs> Southern listeners, I am from Louisiana originally. I went to college in Mississippi, lived in Texas for a couple of years, and now I'm a resident of New York. I work in publishing for my day job. I work at Penguin Random House, and now being an author on the side is such a delight. So that's me. Such a dream come true. Audrey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, it is a dream come true. So I'm Audrey, and I also live in New York City and also come from the South. So I'm from Texas. Um, So Elizabeth and I have a lot of points of connection, as you'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so by day, I work for Sparknotes. It's very immersed in the book world. And (laughs) yeah, and by night, I'm a co-author with Elizabeth. Oh, how wonderful. Okay. I can't wait to talk about the book. And I'm always intrigued by co-authors and the writing process and kind of how that works. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I want listeners to understand the origin story behind the project. So, Audrey, I'd love to hear from your perspective kind of the impetus for this idea and kind of how my understanding is it kind of sprang out of the pandemic. Yes, that's exactly right. So, Annie, this was never meant to be a book. So the fact that we're talking about it as a book (laughs) is just a delight and a surprise. And Elizabeth and I can't believe it, honestly. But yeah, so so this book, Liturgies for Hope, actually started as an idea that was birthed in March 2020, which was just a tumultuous time for us all. <laughs> I think Wasn't whenever it? we say March 2020, we shudder every time because yeah. we all remember yeah. the chaos and confusion. And Elizabeth and I were both living in New York City at the time, as we still are. Mm-hmm. And that was known as the global epicenter of the pandemic, which is just a very scary Mm -hmm. label for the city you call home. And so we were seeing in ourselves just like 
spiraling fear. We would wake up, we would read the news, we would have no idea what was happening. People were starting to wear masks. It was just a brand new time. People were fighting over toilet paper. And so our pastor during this time, right before we all went into quarantine and isolation, Pastor John Tyson at Church of the City, New York, he said, now is not the time to binge bad content. He was basically like predicting that we were all about to be in our homes and just scared and like watch all of Tiger King in one sitting, you know? And so, <laughs> How right he was. He was right. And you know what? I did that. I did that. Um, so I think really, so Elizabeth and I had been friends for a while before that time. And we both had already connected as writers And so we both just felt like we wanted to offer something that was more steadying, something that was grounded Mm -hmm. in hope and something Mm -hmm. based on scripture to offer to our church Mm -hmm. community, just because Mm -hmm. our church is in New York. So we were witnessing the turmoil that, that our friends were facing. And so we really wanted to write the prayers first for ourselves because, I mean, I know I personally just wasn't even sure how to pray. So I usually process my feelings through writing anyways. So I asked Elizabeth, I was like, what do you think about this? We could write a different prayer for a different anxiety, like stuff people are worrying about right now, like physical health, sleeping, loved ones, being far away from loved ones, all of those things. And so Elizabeth was totally on board and we wrote 11 liturgies over the course of one weekend which looking back, <laughs> looking back, we both had this like sense of urgency, I think, just to get something yeah. out there. Um, yeah. And so Elizabeth, I can pass it to you if you want to finish the story. Yeah, I feel like you definitely covered it. Well, I guess that was the origin of the original series. Of yeah. mm-hmm. So we handed it off to our creative director at Church of the City. We were like, put them in the newsletter. Like, that sounds like a great spot for them. And <laughs> They took it a step further and created a website for them Mm -hmm. and released them just for, to to reach more than just our church. You know, I think they Mm -hmm. had the heart of like, these are are lovely and yes, we want them to go to our church, but we want them to go to other churches who Mm -hmm. might need them as well. So that happened. And apparently they were uh, circulated fairly widely and um, specifically one church in London, King's Cross Church, who I've now Mm. visited twice and love. Um, Mm. They shared one of the liturgies uh, in the spring of 2020 and one, an editor was in the congregation. Ah. And so she heard the liturgy, thought that they would be great to be in a book. And so she reached out to Audrey and I and that was what that was what made it a book. <laughs> that yeah. was what made us first yep. thing. It was like, so we were just you know shocked to get that email, but delighted as well. Mm-hmm. How serendipitous and delightful and really poignant. I I've thought a lot about this because I knew that the idea for this or kind of the the origin story of this was from the pandemic and from 2020. And I would like I said have been flipping through it over the last few days and thinking how how amazing that still here we are (laughs) Right in 2022. I find those prayers just as necessary and just as meaningful. And so I do wonder, maybe Elizabeth, you can address this a little bit, Mm -hmm. how it went from these 12 or a dozen or so liturgies for your church and then other church congregations to this book that then did not get published, right? Until yeah. here we are, I'm using air quotes, post-pandemic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't really know what, we the, hope, what who knows. Yeah. yeah, I don't really know what post-pandemic means anymore. But but 
you know, the publishing, the wheels turn a little slowly. Here we are in 2022. Why are these still important? And, and what made you land on, Hey, here are 60, you know, going from a dozen to a 60, y'all were busy. (laughs) Sounds like like (laughs) y'all wrote quite a few, quite a few things. So talk to me about that process and what it's been like to prep for these to release into the world really two years after the original project. Yeah. I think one thing that we noticed, I guess, after we wrote the first series was, yes, these are very relevant to this new scary pandemic time, but also like they transcended into evergreen needs like anxiety we will always have that like Mm -hmm. feeling homesick wanting to be near loved ones like we'll always have that so I think we are experiencing it maybe more acutely or in a different way or it was like like precipitated by a different circumstance um Mm -hmm. in the pandemic but but really at the heart it speaks to some pretty evergreen needs that we Mm -hmm. as humans are always going through so I think that is what allows the 60 liturgies to live on past Mm -hmm. pandemic but I also think that in general, something that I've realized and as I'm talking to to people who've read it before is that it's easy to kind of like conceptually and generally understand that God is near. He wants to help us, but it's actually harder to practically invite him into these specific times of like, mm-hmm. I'm anxious in this moment for this reason. Uh, you know, that kind of like angst mm-hmm. of like, I need help. I need something like, but I don't really know like what I need. And I also don't know the words to express like Mm -hmm. that, you know, what I need help with and how to ask for it. And so our hope for this full collection is that it does provide words when Mm -hmm. people don't have them and maybe provides an example for how to pray for these either just everyday mundane things or like crises, you know, that, that we need words for. So, yeah. So that's kind of how the expansion into 60 happened. And I also think generally, and I, and I feel like you maybe see this too, that there's just a growing interest and awareness in like liturgical practices guiding us in faith. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's becoming, at least in my circles, yeah. like becoming more popular. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly find that true in my own spiritual walk. And we've seen an uptick even in publishing in the number of books, right? Like about Every Moment Holy or Mm -hmm. um, the book of prayers that Terry Mm -hmm. Stokes wrote. Like there's a lot, I think there is an outcry for, hey, I don't have the words for this. Can someone help me put this longing to words and help me articulate these things that I don't really know how to articulate? So I think there's a void that liturgy has the capability potentially of filling for some people. Yes. So good. One of the things that I loved reading as I received the ARC copy of your book were, and this, the blurbs are hit or miss, okay? Blurbs are hit or miss in publishing, but one of your, some of your blurbs were really beautiful. And one of the blurbs from Christy Purifoy, she wrote, I am not surprised this book emerged from one of the urban epicenters of our global pandemic. Of course, this fierce hope would grow in such a place and such a season. So Audrey, why don't you talk about, I am curious, you both talked about maybe being from the South originally, but how did living in New York during a global pandemic or in this season kind of prompt these words in you? I really do want to talk about one of the things I love in literature is the sense of place and this sense of home and identity and where we're from. And so I'm just curious in Liturgies for Hope, how New York kind of springs up in that in both of you, and maybe even how it ties back in to your, to the places of your birth, to, to the South or something like that. Yes. 
Yes, I love that. I love um, sense of place and home in literature too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was an interesting case because I was actually straddling the South and New York City when I wrote my half of the original liturgies. So mm-hmm. I went back to Texas to quarantine with my parents during that confusing mm-hmm. time. And the idea was actually birthed in limbo on the plane from New York City to mm-hmm. Texas. The idea came okay. when I woke up from a nap on the plane, terrified, <laughs> which is which is a funny thing. I was literally suspended in the air and had the idea. Um, and I would like to think Holy Spirit gave the idea. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I feel like the crisis was national, international. It was everywhere. In New York City, mm-hmm. it felt especially acute. And so I mm-hmm. felt all this like swirly spirally feelings inside of me because of being in New York City, hearing just sirens all day, every night, being unable to sleep because there's this like terrible lullaby of sirens all the time, hospitals Mm -hmm. being like filled, grocery stores out of food. Um, And even just in New York City, you walk everywhere. Of course, there's public transportation with the subway and buses. But during that beginning time, everyone was just walking because no one wanted to be in close space. And it just felt Mm. like I was observing up close people's terror, like because you see Mm. a stranger's face when you pass them on the sidewalk. And it was like everyone had like feral eyes. It was just a weird time. Mm. So the acuteness of the crisis stayed with me when I went to Texas to quarantine Mm. with my parents who had a big yard. The neighbors are spaced out. You know, my mom was there to cook dinner for me. All of these beautiful things. Um, and yet I still was carrying the the dismay that I had seen in New York with me. Um, and mm-hmm. then I started watching it on the news from Texas, which mm-hmm. was a weird thing to see it play mm-hmm. out far away while you're with your parents, but you're watching your home kind of crumble. It was, it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, I felt like, my writing, it almost felt like I was trying to write a love letter for New York City. Like I was trying to love New York and the people in New York through my writing and try to like ask God, like, what are you thinking about right now? Like, how are you viewing this crisis in New York? And what do you want to say to people there who are confused and hurting? And so it was really just trying to explore that. I feel like that's what came out. This is so interesting to me because, so I've, um, I've been in New York a couple of times. I went earlier this year, like I went in January of 2022 and my cousin and I, and that was when there was like a resurgence it, accidentally. My cousin and I had planned to like go and then I forget now, Omicron, some variant yeah. Yeah. was like, yeah. was rampant. And so we were trying desperately to be responsible, but also to have, have this trip that we planned. And we, at that time, everybody was wearing masks. We were vaccinated, but you had to show your vaccine card places. And that's very different um, from small town, rural Southern life. And I got back home and a lot of people had questions about like, what was it like in New York? Blah, blah. And one of the things for me, and I've always felt this about major metropolitan areas, perhaps particularly New York, but I came away thinking, gosh, something like this 
would just make you kind of forced to love your neighbor. Mm. And you're just the care that you have to have for one another when you're living on top of each other is so different from Audrey, you mentioned it, like going home where there are these big yards and there's (laughs) space between Mm. people. And I love where I'm from and I love, I love that space that you mentioned. I love, um, yeah, I love kind of big blue skies and wide open spaces, but I do wonder how the pandemic affected and really brought to light the commandment to love our neighbor Mm. in a different way than it plays out in Southern culture. And maybe I'm grasping here, but it's something I think about a lot. Elizabeth, I'm wondering if that played a role in these prayers that you wrote or if you you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I totally understand what I'm saying. I love that question, Annie. I think that that the whole like living on top of each other is one thing that I love and I won't say hate, but like it's the love hate of living in New York, right? It's like, it is, yes, you're constantly around other people. I think the pandemic made that a reality in a different way, one that we're not used to. Like obviously like the norm of New York City life is you're like, you're packed on the subway together, you're packed on the sidewalks together. In the pandemic, it was different because we were all there or a lot of us were still there, but in an isolated way. So, yeah, so I think that the the concept of living near each other is something that is always present, which mm-hmm. I love about the city, but the way that we loved each other in the pandemic was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually by giving each other space. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually by supporting and honoring the workers who were working in the healthcare system mm-hmm. and who were delivering our food. Literally mm-hmm. those two industries, we were like, Thank you. <laughs> you are keeping us alive. Like I remember this is one of my favorite memories of the pandemic. And I, I think this people know that this is not people know that this happened. But for months um, at 7 p.m., people would lean out of their windows and applaud to mm-hmm. for like workers who were delivering food. Like mm-hmm. just what was the word? Oh, my gosh. Essential workers. Uh, essential workers. <laughs> like, what was it? Yes, we would like applaud essential workers. My roommates and I would literally get pots and pans and bang them outside of our window. And it was this like moment of just like triumph and like community that was so sweet. And so, yeah, so that was a way, a way to love. But you're right. We had to find ways to love each other that weren't in person. And so I think writing these liturgies was one way that Audrey and I could do that. I just think, too, you talked a little bit earlier about liturgical language and kind of this need, maybe this unspoken need people have for someone else articulating. Mm-hmm. And I also, I guess I just keep coming back to to the idea that liturgy is intensely personal, but it's also very communal. And yeah. so, and that to me is what life in New York might be like, right? Where it's, yes. you're in your apartment, you're, and especially during a yep. pandemic, you're isolated, yeah. but you're also living among other people. It's really the call. Yes. It's really the call of the church. Um, yes. And so and so I think liturgy just kind of voice it, puts a voice to that in a really unique, yeah. important way. I think an important way. Um, yeah. I yeah. want to talk about the logistics of the writing process. Audrey, you mentioned <laughs> that you were in New York or in Texas a little bit. You wrote half of your liturgies or something in Texas. Um, Elizabeth, what did the writing process look like? How did that work as y'all shared those yeah. responsibilities? Yeah, totally. So I was, I did stay in New York, so we were not together. So while we wrote the first series, and then also as we went on to write the full book, 
Audrey and I each chose topics that resonated with us personally or Mm -hmm. topics that we just felt strongly needed to be written. And so we each designated our own personal lists of what liturgies we were going to write. And then we each wrote them individually. It really was the the collaboration of the book was like both of us pooling our individual works together. So the only time that the other person touched the other person's (laughs) liturgy was at the end when we were wanting a second pair of eyes on it. Um, when we, yeah, just were ready for edits, wanted to see if there's anything that could be changed. So we edited each other's liturgies, but we each Mm -hmm. wrote our own. And Mm -hmm. I think one thing that is so interesting about working with Audrey that is so so delightful is that we have very similar writing styles and that we trust each other so much. (laughs) So I know that like anything that Audrey writes is going to be great. It's going to be excellent. Um, and I also know that it's probably going to sound a lot like mine. <laughs> um, and so even our, I think that's great. I think that helps us be like coherent co-authors. Um, so even our editor at times is like, who wrote this one? I don't even know. Like my mom will, is reading them now. And she's like, did you write this one? And yeah. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I was like, she's like, I know you wrote this. This sounds just like you. And I'm like, yep, Audrey wrote that. <laughs> so it's just like, you really like don't know. So that was... Yeah, I feel like that that's our process. I don't know if we're 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 like collaboratively in sync subconsciously, but <laughs> yeah. Pretty individually. Yeah. But yeah, Audrey, do you have anything to add? Um oh, just that we want to play a game with our friends after <laughs> after the book comes out <laughs> and have them sit with it and turn to each liturgy and guess who did who. Um and there will yeah, be yeah. a winner and they'll get a prize. Um, but no, I, I totally agree. I think our creative output was just surprisingly and shockingly similar. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, our our separate writing processes were different though, which is why it was so funny. Um, so mm-hmm. when it came time to write the full book, so after, you know, the first collection came out, I mm-hmm. came back to New York City and we ended up writing the book together, but separately in New York. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I feel like um, Elizabeth had this discipline that I admired, admired so much. Um, and I was riddled with procrastination. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I had to learn at the beginning, um, that you can't wait for inspiration to strike and you can't even necessarily wait for God to write the prayer in the sky for you. Um, mm. sometimes it's an act of faith just to put pen to paper and write a very bad first draft. And so mm. I eventually hit this rhythm of figuring out what worked for me. And I would start my day with a walk, moving my body really helped like loosen up the words in my brain and heart. Um, And it usually became a walking prayer where I would talk to God on the walk and, you know, ask him like, what do you want to say about this particular topic? And, or what do you want us to say to you about this particular topic? And then, then I really wanted to read like what a community of writers had already said about the topic. So if I was sitting Mm -hmm. down, let's say I was writing a liturgy for those who feel butterflies around someone, that's a liturgy in the book. (laughs) I would read love Mm -hmm. poetry and I would just see, you know, like what has William Wordsworth said about love? (laughs) Like what, what's out there already? And then look for scripture that could like really anchor the words in truth and something Mm -hmm. beyond myself. Um, and then through that, I, I think I finally found a groove, but we've been comparing it to running a marathon when you've only trained for a sprint because neither of us had ever written a book before. So we were really just figuring it out as we went along with a lot of grace and just a lot of help from God. Truly. Yeah. 
What a great metaphor, because truly, y'all probably thought, here are a dozen liturgies for our church family and for people who might be interested. And now, here are a book. Those yes. are very different. Those yeah. are yeah. different different things. I wanted to talk a little bit about the setup of the book. Um, so you mentioned you wrote the prayers, kind of you you pick topics that you really wanted to tackle. But how did you, did an editor work with you to decide these kind of subheadings? Um, I don't know. I was curious. I love them. I, I just yeah. talked about some of the other liturgy collections out there, all of which I own and find valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love... I do love the settings in this book um, and the yeah. the different sections y'all have. So how did that kind of come to be? Yeah, we we did write the topics that we wanted <laughs> or selected the topics that we wanted to write before we had the sections. Mm-hmm. So our editor did help us kind of group them into sections that made sense. Yeah. And I love what we all came up with together. And I think particularly wonder and mystery are two mm-hmm. different types of prayers that don't necessarily get a lot of attention or aren't really highlighted as being important in prayer. And I think that they are. So I love those two sections in particular mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that we have so many that can fall under that. They're kind I, of unexpected to me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that too. They just kind of naturally grouped themselves. It was really interesting yeah. because yeah. yeah, we worked to kind of slot them into the different sections. So there's faith, yeah. vocation, health, relationships, wonder, mystery, confession. And they all just kind of neatly place themselves into those categories. So they seemed almost pre-written, like pre-organized yeah. for us. Yeah. I'm curious if you don't, this is kind of vulnerable, but but I'll share if you will. I'm curious which um, <laughs> yes. liturgies you find yourself um currently drawn to or which prayers you find yourself kind of going back to. I will I will be very honest and say I opened this book um, and there's a prayer for a liturgy for paying bills when there's not enough money. And man, as a small business owner, <laughs> I just wow. read that and I was like, oh, I needed this desperately. Like um, I am in a season where, and this is always the case, this is always kind of a difficult season. It's like pre-holiday, but all your holiday stuff is coming in. And I've shared this, I've shared this with staff. I've shared it with um, people I'm close with. Like this time of year is always hard um, in the life of a small business. But I also Mm -hmm. think like the extra burden of 2020, 2021, Mm -hmm. 2022, um, like I don't even know the last year of air quotes, normal business Mm -hmm. I've had. Um, And so opening like, and I think it's on the first page, the prayer is not on the first page, but you can see it on the table of contents Mm -hmm. on the first page. And my eyes immediately were like, Yes, I need that. Like, I need (laughs) that. And Audrey, you mentioned one of my favorite things about these prayers is they are rooted in scripture. And so it's not just, it is me kind of articulating um, my words and kind of talking to God, but it's also hearing him talk back, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lovely line from scripture in that prayer that's like, uh, you know, be like the lilies of the field, like, which if you grew up rooted in scripture, those are very familiar phrases, but to hear them, to kind of pray them aloud and to, and to imagine God saying them to you is really, really beautiful. So that prayer in particular has been very important to me <laughs> over yes. the last few days. And so oh, I'm curious so if you all have, have ones that still speak to you, even though you wrote them. <laughs> yes. I will say absolutely. Like there, it it changes with time, but there have definitely been times in the last year because we wrote this about over a year ago. It's been written for Mm -hmm. over a year. And throughout this year, I have definitely come back to specific 
Mm-hmm. ones in hard times and good times. And I'm so thankful for them. And I'm truly, some of the ones Audrey wrote. So that's nice. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not as familiar with the words. Some right. of them I've written and I'm like, did I write this? Like, honestly, <laughs> I'm just, I don't even really remember. And it's so helpful. Like, thank you, God. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say like, particularly right now, a couple come to mind. Um, one is a liturgy for an aftermath, the aftermath of a crisis, mm. um, just because I feel like there's so much going on in the world right now, um, specifically the hurricane right now, stateside, but then all of just like the international unrest. And so I'm mm-hmm. just like, wow, that has been such a, a lifeline and a steadying mm-hmm. prayer yes. um, in current times. Um, and then a couple of more personal ones are a liturgy for those deprived of touch. Mm. Sometimes I just like, you know, I don't know. I'm just me. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, wait, uh, yeah. I am sad about this. So yeah. that prayer is very helpful. Um, and then another one is uh, a liturgy for letting go of your younger self. I think mm. I've, I've just been thinking about that lately as I like round the corner to my thirties. I'm just like, hmm, like just very aware of the fact that time is passing mm. and will only continue to pass. Yeah. And these like parts of my younger self that I liked and disliked are gone. And that's, mm-hmm. there's a mourning in that there's a release in that there's celebration. There's kind of all of them together. So I think that liturgy helps me kind of like give space to all the complicated feelings of leaving your younger self behind. Mm-hmm. You can totally see, right. How these prayers were born out of pandemic hardships and yet still are extremely, extremely relevant. Cause I, I jokingly keep referring to these pandemic years as the lost years. Like Jordan and I look at each other like, where did the last three years go? Like there were yeah. things we wanted to do and yes. we just, we, we, could, we didn't yeah. do them because yeah. we were trying to survive. Yep. Um, and yeah. so, so many of these prayers do feel rooted in the hardship of the last three years, mm-hmm. but very timely and relevant for us as we move, as we move forward. Um, yeah. I also, Audrey, I want to hear your prayers. Elizabeth, I want to give you a book recommendation. Um, <laughs> oh, please do. Yes. Which is Let's called, hear it. Uh, Handle with Care by Lori yes. Wilbert. Have oh, you read that? Okay. I have not. I'm very familiar with her as a writer, but I haven't Gosh. read that book yet. Well, I love her as a writer and I'm reading her current oh. book now. I've been kind of reading it slowly but steadily over the last few months. But um, okay. I do highly recommend, especially you just mentioned, and I love that prayer in the book um, for those longing for touch. Or, um, mm-hmm. I, I really did because that is another prayer that I feel like I hadn't read before or heard before. Um, But I think you'll really, interestingly, I read that book in February of 2020 and it's all about um, touch and how important it is. And then of course, Mm. and then the pandemic happened, but I do highly recommend that book. Okay. Yes. I'll have to go get it. Thank you. Audrey, what about you? What are some prayers that, or liturgies that you are finding comforting and necessary right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so like Elizabeth said, it really is varied because we've had this book written for more than a year now. And so different seasons have had me like drawn like a magnet toward different ones. Um, and it's mm-hmm. definitely been a mixture of ones Elizabeth wrote and then I wrote. Um, and so it's really fun, like reading prayers Elizabeth wrote, because it's like praying the words my friend wrote to God, you know, like that is just a fun yeah. thing. Um, but I feel like right now I'm really drawn toward a liturgy for those who fear something bad is going to happen or those who feel like something bad is going to happen. That one speaks Mm -hmm. to the swirly anxiety. That's just always in the pit of my stomach that I want to get rid of so bad. 
Um, it's yeah. rooted in nothing. There's no yeah. no cause for it. But I'm just like, what if tomorrow I wake up and my health is gone, or someone I love dies? Like all of these fears that are kind of nameless but ever present. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Just like yes. wondering when the shoe will drop. Um, so mm-hmm. that prayer, Elizabeth wrote that one, and I basically have it memorized at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. A liturgy for those consumed by media. Um, mm. I just deleted TikTok off my phone and I feel so free. So free. <laughs> Hated that. Um, and then a liturgy for showing kindness to strangers, which um, I believe you read a little bit of that at the beginning, Annie. Mm-hmm. But that yes. one, yeah, I just always need to almost preach that over myself when I'm outside walking on the streets of New York. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I do not know the heaviness someone woke up with today, or I do not know if this person just had an amazing thing happen and my rudeness could just crush them, could crush that off mm-hmm. their heart, you know? And so I think that one is just a really convicting reminder that, um, that God loves the strangers around me. And that's what I'm called to do too. Oh, that's beautiful. I, and it goes back again to the the beautiful sense of place that a lot of those prayers have. Because we all, like I can walk on the streets of Thomasville and need that same prayer. Yeah. Um, but I do yeah. think um, I do think it's so interesting how all of these kind of um, were brought about by where you live and by, and by the things you encountered. I know from knowing Elizabeth and then Audrey kind of doing some research <laughs> that you both are writers. And I, it, I think I know the answer to this, but I am curious. I wondered if this is the book you intended to write. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Is this the book you intended to write? And in what ways did this book maybe surprise you, maybe open the door for other things that you hoped might happen? I'm just curious. I feel mm-hmm. like, Elizabeth, you and I met a long time ago, uh, and yeah. I, I just am so curious. This doesn't feel like what was on the radar for either of you, mm-hmm. um, but in what ways has it maybe opened doors you didn't think were possible? Um, Elizabeth, you want to answer that first? Yeah, sure. Um it was definitely, I mean, Audrey said this at the beginning, it was this, this, the liturgies were never meant to be a book. So mm-hmm. yes, Audrey and I both have had aspirations of being writers and of writing books, but I think we both said, we always thought it would be like far in the future where we're like begging someone on our hands and knees to publish us when <laughs> yeah. we're like, we're 65 and we've written for decades. Like, please just let us have this. And so like, I, but I think we, we thought it would be different. Like I personally before the liturgies was writing more creative nonfiction essays. And so always thought if I was published, it would be in that genre. Mm -hmm. And so liturgy, which has also turned my heart towards poetry, Mm -hmm. um, is such a surprise. I was never a poet, never really a writer of poetry or liturgy before Audrey had the idea to write the original series in 2020. And so this is definitely not what I expected. Um, It's been such a surprise, but it has um, opened my eyes to like different to poetry, for mm-hmm. instance, um, which I love and I love writing. Um, so it's not been the first book that I expected to write, mm-hmm. but it's been the absolute best experience. I think mm-hmm. the writing it with Audrey has been so wonderful. Um, getting to write liturgies has been this thing that has felt so natural and so needed. It's just kind of this like wonderful meeting place of like, we we love to do this and people seem to need them and want them. So like, we're happy to do it. Yeah. So 
that's that. I, I think maybe in the future we still have those desires to write. Sure. For me, essays, I think Audrey is more interested in fiction. But we'll see what happens. Right now, we're so delighted by this turn of events. Yeah. Yeah, everything Elizabeth said. I mean... I think it's just hilarious to be publishing a book of prayers as our first book because I always said, <laughs> I won't publish in the Christian space. <laughs> oh, yeah, same. <laughs> same. Like, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to publish mainstream. Um, so this is here we are. Yeah, yeah. God's like, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've always imagined my first book to be a fiction novel, which now that um, that is not the case, I am just so grateful because I got to learn so much about how to be a writer and an author with Elizabeth. And mm-hmm. that has just been the most joyful gift is having a best friend right there, like in the trenches and on the mountaintops with me. And Mm -hmm. just really learning how to navigate the practical side of publishing. Like that Mm -hmm. has been like the, the burdens of it have been lessened because I'm sharing it with Elizabeth. And Mm -hmm. so if I had like gone off on that solo fiction novel writing path, that would have been me alone. And of course Mm -hmm. that's the nature of writing is you do eventually have to sit alone with your thoughts and your paper and and write alone. Mm -hmm. But um, the nature of this project has been so collaborative and so communal because it's really two best friends writing a book together. And so that has just opened up this like desire for both of us to continue our writing career together. Like with our, we still have those desires for our individual projects and Lord willing Mm -hmm. that will happen. I, gosh, I hope so. Um, But we also want to have that parallel journey of continuing to be writers together. I love that. And I imagine, yeah, the shared burden, because I do think navigating publishing is stressful um, and navigating you know, promotion of a book, or I, I would imagine that's better shared. Yes. So a million times better. (laughs) So much better. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when I, I don't interview authors a ton anymore, but when I do, I do have like some lightning round questions. So I thought we would close with those. Yes. So Um, good. Okay. So, and what we'll do, maybe we'll, I'll ask the question, Audrey, you answer, and then Elizabeth. Okay. And then I'll ask the next one. Perfect. Okay. So what is a classic book you've never read, but you wish you had? Oh, so good. Um, Crime and Punishment, for sure. Okay. I want to read that one. I've heard it's life-changing, but my life has not been changed by it yet. (laughs) (laughs) There's still time. There's still time. (laughs) Oh, and for me, I would say Great Expectations. That is one book that I'm like, how have I never read this? And I've picked it up to read it so many times and just have never made it all the way through. So... I will one day. Yes. Dickens is also my white whale. Like I'm reading kind of like <laughs> right now, but I do feel like, man, Charles Dickens is just a somebody I somehow missed mm-hmm. in th- yes. throughout my entire school career. I don't know how yep. it happened. So I'm trying Christmas to Miss Carol is a good little thing. a little one to yeah, get in there. Yeah. <laughs> just a little baby yeah. Christmas Carol. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so what podcast do you listen to and love, Audrey? I mean, besides from the front porch, of course, um, that's number one. Um, I love On Being with Krista Tippett. Mm. Her voice is so soothing to me and her guests are so lovely. 
Um, and then yes. this is a very different podcast, but I love Pop Culture Happy Hour, the NPR oh, yeah. podcast. Yep. I think it's so fun. And I love learning about like new movies and music and TV shows. And they have a segment mm. called What's Making Me Happy, which that's yes. the best segment ever. <laughs> so yes. yes, I love that. I love that show too. Yeah. Yeah. I also love From the Front Porch. That is my favorite. I have to say that. <laughs> um, and then also, um, I was also going to say On Being. And then I think a spinoff of On Being is Poetry Unbound, mm. which is um, hosted by Padraig Otuga, I think. And it's great. It's basically On Being vibes, but only poetry. Um, mm. So I would highly recommend. And then also Speaking with Joy, which is a podcast hosted by Joy Clarkson, who's an author as well. She is also a scholar at the University of St. Andrews, I think. Uh And she does these book clubs with her podcast. So she reads a book and then has guests on to discuss the various chapters. So this summer she did Clara and the Sun by um, Kazuo Ishiguro. And then she did Piranesi by Susanna Clark previously. So, And she just has great content. I just feel like she's a kindred spirit. So speaking with Joy. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Both of you are from the South. And so what is your favorite part about life in the South? Oh, gosh. So I feel like the gimme answer is my family's there. <laughs> that's just a gimme. <laughs> so I I won't say that one, even though I love you, mom and dad, forever and ever. <laughs> um, I have to go with Tex-Mex because I'm from Texas. Mm-hmm. And so the cuisine down there is very specific. And I miss queso every single day of my life. Every single every <laughs> single hour, every single minute, I'm dreaming of queso. So uh, <laughs> dreaming of queso. Yep. I'm dreaming of Cajun food. So mm-hmm. that's what I miss. I'm from mm-hmm. Louisiana. So any kind of South Louisiana cuisine, so good. Nothing like it. I also love college football. And yeah. I don't love it. Until I'm in the South. When I'm here in New York, I don't think about it at all. But then when I go home in the fall, I'm like, get me to a college football game immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that is what I love. I also love the sound of like crickets and frogs in the summertime. Oh, yeah. It's just, I feel like a deeply Southern thing that's so comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you don't really realize until you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, yes. it doesn't sound like yeah. here. I just right. hear sirens outside. Yeah. <laughs> Police cars yeah. whizzing yeah. by. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Audrey, what are you reading right now? Ah, this is like my favorite question anyone could ever ask ever. Um, <laughs> I just love talking books, so this podcast just makes sense. Yes. So I'm reading three books right now, one um, in a different genre. So I'm reading a poetry collection called House of Light by Mary Oliver, Saint Mary Oliver. And I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading a nonfiction memoir by Frank Bruni called The Beauty of Dusk. It's about when yes. he um, went blind in one eye and then his journey of discovering life after that. And it's really beautiful mm. so far. My dad read that. Oh, really? Dad read it and loved it. Yeah, okay. He loved it. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, I'm always reading a fiction book. Fiction is my love. Um, I'm reading Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner, oh, which is just my favorite. beautiful. You love that. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. I just, I just love a book about, um, God, how do I, I, I want to be careful how I phrase it, but like people who are are just kind of average. Yes. Um, yes. Quiet. There's no big climactic moment. It's just people who are trying. That's that's what I like. Oh, that's the genre I love that right there. (laughs) Just people doing their best. (laughs) Yes. People doing their best. 
Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, I love that. I am also reading three books. Um, okay. I'm reading Woman Without Shame by Sandra Cisneros, her newest oh, poetry yeah. collection. It is great. It's just, it's spicy, Sandra. Just, <laughs> she's like past, she's over, you know, she's just writing it. She's putting it all out there. Um, but I, I really love her as a writer and I'm excited to read her collection. I'm reading The Attentive Life by Leighton Ford, which I think is pretty old. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is all about like just kind of paying attention to the hours of the day and being mindful and prayerful among in all of them. Mm-hmm. And then for my fiction book, I'm reading One Day by David Nichols, which is an oh. old book, but it's a classic. Classic rom-com. Yeah. Um, the Anne Hathaway yes. movie, yes. all that good stuff. So yeah. I have never read it. So I'm reading it now and it's really, really fun. Oh, that's fun. I remember reading that for the first time. Um, that was Yay. that's a good, that's a good one. Okay. And then I kind of want to close out just by asking. Obviously, we know where to get the book. You can get the book from the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. You can um, support your local library. We'll put all kinds of links um, so people can find your book. But where can people find you, follow your work, um, and maybe tell us the next thing you're working on? Audrey? Yes. So I am not on Instagram, but I am on Twitter. So I'm at Audrey May 17 And the next thing I'm working on is a second book of liturgies with Elizabeth. <laughs> Yeah, coming in spring 2024. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that makes me very happy. I'm thrilled. Thrilled. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I am on Instagram. Um, I am Elizabeth J. Moore at Instagram. And then my my website is ElizabethMoreWriting.com. And I'm also working on our second book of liturgies. (laughs) So that is what we're working on full time right now, Mm -hmm. um, with hopefully more to come after that. I'm so impressed. Um, And I think it's inspiring. So often we hear about writers who, you know, like, I don't know, live in the English countryside and they're writing as their full-time gig. And I'm also inspired that you guys are out there working. You're hustling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's inspiring to know, no, you can write a book and have a nine to five. It's possible. Absolutely. You absolutely totally can. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been lovely. Thank you guys so much for coming on From the Front Porch. Thank you for talking with me. I really do love your book. I can't wait to gift it to people this holiday season. Thanks, Um, And it's been a gift to me too. Oh, thank you so much. This was so fun. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cami Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. 
Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.